Hello, and welcome to Shape the System, where we find and tell the stories that help people to rethink the way the world works. We interview people from all over the world who are helping to change our systems for the better. Shape the System is an independent podcast with support from KPMG High Growth Ventures, who help ambitious founders and their teams scale up for success. More about KPMG High Growth Ventures after the interview. We hope you enjoy this episode. And welcome back to another wonderful show, Shape the System. We're having a chat today about conscious marketing and a whole bunch of other things. So this is another one in our specialist interview format where we try to unpack various things that you have to do in any company, but you have to do different when you're impact-led and trying to shape the system as we always talk about on the show. Before we dive in, I'm just going to welcome Claudia Guerrero to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're coming from, and then we're going to dive straight into conscious marketing. Hello, everyone. So happy to meet everyone today. I'm Claudia Guerreiro. I come from Portugal, but I have been living in Germany for the past two years. I also lived in Cambodia, in Singapore, France, the UK. So I've been a little bit all over the world, which is pretty exciting. And I'm so happy to be here with you, Vincent. Thank you for this invitation. Absolutely. And just before we dive into the subject matter, the nature of you being in all those places was just a choice or you followed work around or you took some time off. What led to just that nature of living that way for a few years by the sound of it? A bit of both. So I originally went to Cambodia as a volunteer. I was working in NGOs at the time and I also worked in hospitality to support myself during that period. Then I went to Singapore to study my master program, stay there to work in research. I also worked in startups and so on. In France, I studied there as well. And now in Germany, we came back to Germany because I got married with my husband, who is German. And so we ended up coming to Germany together. And he said, right, no more travel. And you're like, all right, fine, I'll settle down. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay for now, yes. I mean, traveling is is nice for sure. (laughs) I'll give you a few years and then we're getting back on the road. The reason I ask that is I'm always interested at how people came to be working in impact-led. And there's so much more impact-led opportunity now, but still there's often some point where someone decides this is at the intersection of the things I care about and the things I wanted to do. Just before we dive into the materials, that was there some moment for you with respect to that? I want to understand that if we can. I think I've been always connected to impact in my own way. So as a kid, I was like a bit of an activist about pets. I really loved dogs and cats as a kid. And so I used to distribute, and I still love them, by the way, and I used to distribute flyers about not abandoning pets during uh, summer. You know, in Portugal is such a big problem that a lot of pets are abandoned during summertime. And so I was, I used to go to this like shopping center as a kid and distribute the flyers that I've created in Microsoft Publisher. Microsoft Paint (laughs) with Clippy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I've always loved things related to impact and I'm so passionate about so many areas. And that's what also brought me to Cambodia to work in NGOs. And Mm -hmm. that's what's making also me continuing as a professional in this journey of impact. And I think it's possible for us to do impact in so many ways. And it's so exciting that we have more opportunities to connect us this day in the digital world, which we did not know about before. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. And what's interesting about the flyers aspect of that is that I love that your first role in in impact-led thinking was a marketing role as well. But it's also a good segue to some terminology that I think is really important for us to land first up because 
marketing is a massively overused word and I think a largely misunderstood mm. word. And for a lot of the principles that we're going to talk about a bit later on in the show, these things, if you read through them, you you position them as marketing, but a lot of people would some in some way think of these as product development, as in what do we build and how do we build it and how do we deliver mm. it. So I just want to understand in the context of what we're talking about today, conscious marketing, help me understand some terminology around how you think about marketing, where it starts and ends. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this question, Vincent. It's a very important one, defining conscious marketing and defining marketing. So it, it seems to me that a lot of people confuse marketing and sales. They think they are all part of the same package, let's say. And to me, it's not. So to me, marketing is all about building relationships with people. It's about planting the seeds, not picking up the fruits. So it's really important to understand that marketing is not sales. Marketing is about building relationships with our potential customers. And then conscious comes in when like we talk about not growing at all costs. We have to prioritize the planet and the people. Yes, we have to grow, but we have to grow in this responsible, sustainable, ethical way that is bringing positive change and not just simply growing because we have to grow, mm -hmm. right? So that's how I define marketing and conscious. So that's really important. And so conscious marketing is all about basically creating a business that has a purpose, that has a mission. And people enjoy that business and just want to be part of this community because they know that whatever they are buying, whether it's a product, service, and whatsoever, is impacting change in some way. So that's what conscious marketing is all about for me. Right. Okay, cool. And so there's a bit to unpack in there, but I want to get to the purpose part of this because I think, and if anyone who's ever been in any kind of values-based organization, you will have seen this, but even on the outside looking in, when you go and Google purpose company missions or you're trying to think like, okay, well, give me some examples, the examples that get tend to get thrown around are, are very large elevated ones. And I think like the easiest mm. one to use in this example is Tesla's desire to want to electrify the world, right? They just think that we have to move to electricity off fossil fuels. And to do that, we need solar and we need storage and we need electric cars and all those things need to happen in these huge missions. But when you think about breaking that down to the local bakery and trying to help them to understand that they can also have an impact-led and a values-based mission and be a more conscious business, how do you get them to think about what might be the right sizing and appropriate mission or desire to ch change the world that's right-sized for them and the, the scale of their organization? Absolutely. Thank you so much again for this amazing question. It's not an easy question, I must say, for, for sure. sure. But I believe that we should focus on the sustainable development goals. So we have 17 sustainable development goals, if I'm not mistaken. And it's great for us to think, where can we contribute in these goals? Because 17 is a lot and we cannot focus in all of them at once. And small businesses have the capability of changing the world. In fact, small businesses are such a large part of the economy in every country. And so to me, it's very important, this part of education of first understanding what are the sustainable development goals by the United Nations. And then the second part is where the specific company feels that they can feel them and it's like possible to impact in some way those goals. 
And so the purpose can really be tied to a specific goal, whether it's climate action, whether it's equity, whether it's something else. I think it's super important that small businesses have this in the top of their uh, priorities as well, that their purpose can be tied to something that it's impactful, whether it's through contributing with donations or the way that the company is run, the supply chain. There are so many ways to contribute, but we tend to think that small businesses don't have the capability as compared to big corporations because mm-hmm. they have bigger budgets, right? But if we start right away a business thinking of how we can impact the world, things will be much better for us in the future. Yeah. And I guess that's the point that I wanted to make. And and this is something I've actually brought up on the show previously, interviewing some founders, but also having these types of conversations, is that I think people overlook the opportunity to make a difference in your own backyard. And so Mm -hmm. let's take the bakery example that we've just been talking about and think, okay, well, you could be a bakery. I used to work at a bakery, actually, like for about mm. seven years. I don't know that it was terrible work, but I certainly wasn't the most happy part of my existence. I worked really long hours. Mm-hmm. But all we were was a bakery. I think we gave the food that we didn't sell to a charity. I think we did that much at least. Exactly. But we didn't get up in the morning and think bread can nourish the world. And if we made a great product people paid good money for, it would allow us to feed a bunch of people who can't afford bread day to day. And if we make that core to why we make bread, our relationship with our customers would be different. And whilst we may not solve global hunger, we might at least impact hunger in our small corner of the universe and how how different that business might look. Is that when you start talking to established companies, is that kind of where you start around what is it that you want to do and then you start to get into what is the execution like? How does this arc play out? So I work mostly with uh, early stage startups and small businesses until yep. about five years. So I have not worked with big corporations uh, before, but this conversation is super important for early stage, actually, because we are defining a path of success for these small businesses. And so it's exactly what you said. They can impact change in their own way. For example, you just made me think of this amazing app called Too Good To Go here in Europe which is all about eradicating food waste. And so there could be, for example, a partnership between that bakery and Too Good To Go. And there are so many ways that we can really explore better ways for our specific business. So it really depends also the industry that we are talking about. So it's difficult to bring things into a generic advice because it's like really specific to what company I'm working in. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess where I'm trying to get to with this was when I like researched in and was doing some background trying to understand how you think about this stuff, as the name of the podcast implies, I'm very system focused. <laughs> I'm That's interested right. in systems because I just think people operate in terms of frameworks and frames of reference. And so you've got an overarching view that conscious capitalism is already here and we're, mm-hmm. and every business at every scale or stage, early stage, startup, established company, local bakery, everything in between can all operate and in a for-purpose kind of way, in a more conscious capitalism kind of way. To get there, you have to kind of break, okay, great, what does that mean? And so what was interesting about what you've been articulating and and how you've been constructing this or deconstructing this are these eight kind of principal areas that you work on. I don't know that we'll get through all eight of them, but I wanted to touch on at least the two or three that are big ones for you. Can we dive into some of those and talk a bit about those? Yeah, absolutely. So 
basically conscious marketing is all based on this eight principles that I have highlighted in my website. And these principles really guide everything that I do in my work. And these principles are also based in an amazing book by Caroline Tate called Conscious Marketing. So I just wanted to highlight that as well. It's a great book. And if anyone is listening to this, check this book out. I really love it called Conscious Marketing by Caroline Tate. And perhaps let's talk about a few of these principles. So the first one is from profit-driven to purpose-driven. And that's where we really talk about purpose, right? What does purpose mean? Why does the company exist? And how can we really impact the world in our own way? So that comes back to the first question where you highlighted what is purpose, how we can impact and so on. And then another one is from company-centric to customer-centric. So that's really important. We are really tired of companies that are all about telling how brilliant they are and they are not focusing on their customers. What people want is to understand how can their lives be better. And so instead of talking about how brilliant they are, the companies are, they should be talking about how the customer's life, the potential customer's life will be better, you know, how they are yeah. impacting things. Just before you and move so, on from that, just, oh, I yeah, just want, want to understand, because the word customer can be fairly nebulous as well. And I think the thing mm -hmm. that's interesting about reframing a business to be thinking about stakeholders more broadly is that mm -hmm. your stakeholders are ultimately who you serve when you're impact-led. And a lot of this came out of kind of the Whole Foods book, Conscious Capitalism, where they think about mm -hmm. a broader set of stakeholders and they're not just, I, I care about my shareholders and I care about my employees. It's, well, I care about my community and I care about my the environment as a stakeholder in its own right. When you talk Correct. about shifting from company-centric to a uh, company centric, to customer centric, is it starting to think more holistically about other stakeholders that are in your value chain in accordance with your purpose or mission as well? Yes, of course. We can talk about the broader sense as well. But here, because we are talking about specific principles on how to do marketing, I was more focused on the customer side, Got not it. in okay. the whole stakeholders uh, process. But it's not that they are not taken into account. Of course, all stakeholders are very important. But here, these are the principles that guide how we market uh, things. It, to the you people know, to, who buy your product, To the public, exactly. Service. To the people who would buy the product, service, or whatever that is. And so that's why we are focused on customers here. Got it. Makes sense. Okay, cool. <laughs> no worries. Thank you so much. This is super important. All of these principles are very important, but they are also open to interpretation. So it's mm. great that we clarify together on what exactly that means. And then another principle that is super important for better marketing practices is from price-driven to value-driven. So we tend to be, be too focused on prices, particularly, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but they are very current, like very common tactics that people use to, let's say, manipulate to get people to buy something. For right. example, I'm sure you have seen those prices like $9.99 and so on. So these prices are done to trigger impulse purchases. They are tactics that are done to trigger impulse purchases. And personally, I don't endorse those tactics because what we want is some is that someone has the information to make a decision that they feel comfortable with instead of being, let's say, tricked 
into buying something that they don't need. So instead of being price-driven, we become value-driven. And what does that mean? We provide all the information in a way that is connecting to the customer that shows what's the value of this product and service in their life. And, And then we know that they are making an informed decision. And for example, this price, uh, this price tactics and so on are very common in times like Black Friday. Yeah. So there's all of these campaigns they are very price driven and making the prices as low as possible. And we know that this is also not generating good businesses at the end of the day because they have to basically take it from somewhere to be able to provide those prices. Like a bonus of a potential employee or whatever that is. And that's not right. We need to think about marketing in an ethical and responsible way. And it's, again, about not growing at all costs. Yeah. And just before we move on from that one, so in that context, from price-driven to value-driven, what we're talking specifically about there is the value that the customer places on the product or service and what is inherently part of that. Is that connected to their values as well as that part of that value driven or is that considered elsewhere or, or thought of elsewhere? I, I would think of that more in the part of from profit driven to purpose driven because okay. that's where the values also play a role. Here yeah. is more about the value that we can provide to the customer's life by having this product or service. Got it. And so it's, instead of, hey, I've got a child monitoring alarm that will cost $19 as opposed to $20, it's more mm-hmm. this one will get help you sleep better at night, which is what's important to the 19 and the 20s, neither here nor there. But if it's $20 and this one has some other value wrapped up in it, other than simply the price and the material, like the commodity aspect of it. Okay, cool. Super interesting. All right, next one. We've got it. We've got halfway through almost, which is great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a lot to talk about. Well, you had to do all of them. I I just thought we'd do a couple, but we're here. I I want to actually cover all of them because I find them all fascinating. (laughs) I'll cover two more. Just uh, these are some that I really love, you know. Okay. So <laughs> your favorite of the eight? You can't tell the other ones, exactly. though. You realize that. <laughs> so the other one is from competitive to collaborative. I mm. really believe that we can impact so much more change if competitors come together and collaborate in some way. And that's of course difficult. I know that it's um, idealistic, let's say, but we do see some companies already coming together and partnering in some way to provide education, to provide information, to do campaigns together that allow basically to spread the word about a certain cause or issue and so on. And so I believe in a world that we want to live in, we are collaborating instead of competing. And for example, this podcast that you're doing is a great example of that. You're calling like other amazing founders to talk about their businesses and so on. And so you're collaborating with them. You might even have similar offers sometimes with your guests. And it's clear that in a better world, we are helping each other because if we can help each other in this way, we are spreading the word and really impacting change faster instead of trying to do that alone. And that's one of the reasons why I really believe in creating the conscious marketing movement, which is the community that I'm about to launch in November, which is really exciting because yes, I know a lot about conscious marketing, but I don't know everything. And I know that there are amazing people out there in the world that have great ideas on how to effectively make change in marketing, make it more responsible, sustainable, ethical, and so on. 
And I would love to hear from these voices. I would love that we come together and really think together on how we can make better marketing campaigns, initiatives, and so on, and collaborate instead of compete, because the industry needs to be changed from within. And to do that, I can't do it alone. We have to do it together because we have different skill sets and so on that can really help to impact change. Like I said, I don't know everything. I'm learning every single day with amazing people from all over the world. But I think we will be much stronger together. Yeah. I do want to go back into the community that you're launching because I I want to make sure that we cover that. But something that's interesting to me with this kind of competitive to collaborative thing, if we think about the nature of capitalism in its purest form, it essentially emulates what we think happens in nature, right? Which is that the fittest survive, right? And you just, it's a level playing field and whoever has the advantage and through evolution, assuming you believe in that, hopefully, collectively, whoever's listening, you, the fittest will survive and it's, you know, it's adaptation and a whole bunch of things that we see. But when you actually look into aspects of nature and you find those little fish that float around inside the mouth of sharks and a pride of lions working to, to get the meal as opposed to someone just going out and getting it by themselves. We see, and dolphins do this a hell of a lot too, right? We see acts of collaboration and it's those moments in nature where there's a collaborative or a symbiotic kind of relationship that there is actually even more value that's created in this case to survivability, but it could be in any context. And I think it's interesting as well because in a purely competitive capitalist kind of scenario, A, it's profit-driven, so the only measure of success is a dollar. And then Mm -hmm. secondly, there is a presumption that other than growing the market and getting more people to buy more things, you're essentially in a net-sum game. So my gain in profit and market share is your loss. But as soon as you shift the focus out to some third-party thing, one of the 17 UN Sustainable Development Goals, for example, it's no longer about a net-sum game. It's actually, well, if we all have a product that means that sanitation could be solved and improve globally for 7 billion people, the fact that you and I both sell a toilet paper that contributes its profits to do that, and I know of two companies and we've interviewed one of them on this show, even though there is a competitive tension, it seems that is overshadowed by the fact that you both want the same outcome ultimately. Yes. And that there's plenty of space to play against the 99% of toilet paper that isn't trying to solve that problem. So why not work together rather than be competitive against each other for the crumbs on the side? Correct. Uh, Exactly. Uh, It's what I 100% believe. Yeah. And just coming into that a bit and bringing it back to the the community that you're about to launch. And, And so we're recording this 23rd of October, ironically, just before Black Friday sales and Cyber Monday sales. That's right, coming soon. (laughs) And this will come out just (laughs) after those. I don't know if the world will have changed by then. So the need for what you're about to launch isn't going away at all. But I'm Mm -hmm. curious about kind of the nature of the way this community is going to work because part of it is about education, but my guess is a Mm -hmm. bunch of it is about inspiration. It's about seeing what other people have done and how they've executed and taking the best of that and applying that to what you're doing. Tell us, break it down a bit more as to how this community is going to work. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity. So the conscious marketing movement is going to bring together purpose-driven entrepreneurs and conscious marketeers to learn, connect, and grow so that we can create social impact and profits. So it's basically all about learning, connecting, and growing. That's the three key things of this community. So how do we do that? So learning, we will obviously provide 
materials for people to unlearn the current marketing practices and learn new practices. Like, for example, it will be pretty much based on the eight conscious marketing principles that we have been discussing here, but much more. So there will also be a digital library where people can refer to resources from others. Like I said, there are amazing resources out there. We just don't have a, a space where we can see all of those resources. And besides seeing other people's resources, we are also co-create resources together because there's a need for new frameworks and new ways to approach marketing. And I have one perspective. For example, one of my specialities is content marketing, but perhaps someone that has a specialty in email marketing will bring other things to the table. So it's super important that we are co-creating this together. The learnings are created together. Mm-hmm. And then other part is, for example, the connection point. This past two years that I've been working solely in conscious marketing, I've connected with so many amazing marketeers and purpose-driven businesses out there that have amazing stories and have done great things, but they just are not connected to each other somehow. So I would love to provide a platform where these people can really like connect through a collective coffee, people coming together and in breakout rooms, getting to know each other in a guided networking session, but also like simply by being part of the community and and seeing what other people are are doing. I would also have a virtual co-working setting for them to even co-create together. So that's how I'm planning to connect and much more, you know, (laughs) like I don't want to provide the whole supermarket (laughs) list here, but, you know, much more. And when it comes to grow, I also want to provide this conscious marketeers and purpose-driven businesses the opportunity to shine because a lot of the people that have talked to me during the market research stage, so I spend some considerable time talking to people on a one-on-one basis, but also checking forms and so on. So it's been like a long journey since the beginning of the year to really have the right products or the right service, that it's all about meeting existing needs, not creating new needs, because there are existing needs that aren't met. So it was super important for me to really hear the voice of people that potentially wanted to be part of the community that were those conscious marketers and purpose-driven entrepreneurs. And so I want to provide them the space where they can feel that they can promote themselves in a conscious manner so they can potentially even become event speakers or they can contribute to a blog or they can simply pitch your business, pitch their business in a specific section and so on. Basically, the community is all about meeting existing needs and making people feel empowered in their journeys. So that's why I'm dividing this in these three sections, the learn, the connect and grow. Wonderful. Yeah, totally. I totally understand it. I'm curious as well about the part where it's somewhat learning, but also somewhat growth is, are you imagining that like a, maybe a purpose-led entrepreneur or even a marketer, a conscious marketer would come in and showcase here's what we did for a campaign or for a customer or for a brand and here's how we transformed these outcomes. We didn't used to have any impact on our local community and we've gone out and measured this. This is what we did and reframe the success of a marketing campaign, not from yes. how many widgets did you sell and what margin to what impact did you have and how aligned is that to what you had set out to do? Is that kind of what's going to be seen? Correct. This is all about that as well. So basically, we are very used to think about marketing in this traditional way of the performance metrics and so right. on. 
But marketing is so much more than that. And there are metrics that might not be visible, let's say, but they are equally important. There are these hidden metrics. For example, just one thing that comes to my mind is how are we all feeling while doing that campaign? Are the employees or the partners feeling burnout? Is it too much going on and so on? Or are we really taking care of each person that is part of this as well? So these are like some hidden metrics as well that are not usually taught in performance kind of marketing metrics, but it's equally important. So it's really a community about unlearning and relearning marketing and thinking it in a more holistic uh, perspective, not just what is visible to the eye, let's say. Yeah. I've probably only got one or two more questions. One of them is a bit tongue in cheek, so I might get to that one at the end. But the first one, I'm curious. I So my, I've been in fintech for a while and I don't like to necessarily self-identify as in fintech, but the reality is I have been. But one of the things I did for a period was to build up the fintech community in San Francisco and right person at the right place at the right time. It ended up being about 5,000 people, about 300 meeting every month at a meetup. And the goal was just to find a place to inspire and inform people about fintech. But the thing that made me excited for, oh, wow, we've got something here as a result of building this community was when I heard about companies that had started by founders who had met each other at the meetup. And I'm curious for your community that you're imagining, do you have a thing where you're like, when we get to this point, I know that we've got something special? How are you thinking about that? Well, I'm hoping that in the future, this community is really driving a better standard for marketing. I think slowly I've been impacting lives of people and that makes me really happy. Like, for example, last year, just about two years ago, if I'm not mistaken, I had just 1,000 followers on LinkedIn. Now I have 16,000 followers on LinkedIn, have lots of messages, direct messages of people saying, Claudia, I'm so excited about your free newsletter. Thank you so much for doing this every Wednesday. I've changed a lot of my marketing practices and so on. So of course, these are all a bit of hidden metrics, you know, of what has been happening. But I have seen a clear shift in this past two years of just being consistent, present and showing up for myself and and for others, that it's possible to change marketing practices. So my main goal would be that we have more ethical, more sustainable, and potentially even drive governmental change. Who knows if we can change actual standards for the industry, right? And that Mm. would be my big dream. (laughs) I don't know if it's a short-term dream. I don't think so. But if we can get there. Otherwise your work's done (laughs) and then you don't know what to do. It's good that you've got something that might take a little while. I'm not sure how much of that time we have. Well, I am going to ask my last tongue-in-cheek question because I think you've set me up perfectly for it, which is the arc of all this feels like that there's some opportunity for marketers to save us all. I, I know, and I do say that tongue-in-cheek, but I uh-huh. think you see a clear opportunity for marketers to play an, a, a really critical role in actually changing the way our systems of capitalism consumption work. And I know that you said in some of your material, it's kind of, marketing's at the center of this shift. I just want to yes. I want to test that and just hear a little bit more from you about that because I know how passionate you are about it. Oh my god, I could speak about this the whole day. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you so much for this uh, amazing question and yes, I do believe that marketing can change the world. Marketing has brought us here to this stage where consumerism has become the key focus of our life where we are basically not caring for our environment, for the people and so on, and for the animals, of course. 
And so I believe that climate change is also a communication problem. So one of the things that we see a lot in climate-related communication is this fear-based marketing strategies. For example, the world is ending tomorrow, we don't have enough time left, act now, and so on. And this is actually very traditional marketing tactics that are always used no matter the industry, the fear-based marketing strategies such Mm -hmm. as don't miss out or two spots left and things like that. This has been perpetuated for the longest uh, time. And so... It is a communication problem. And by changing this, for example, we can use non-violent communication and or positive communication in our campaigns, in our initiatives, in our work. So instead of making people feel bad about themselves, we are rewarding them. You know, it has been studied in psychology, especially when it comes to education, that the positive reinforcement system leads to more positive effects as compared to a negative reinforcement system. And we have not been applying that in marketing at all. So I do believe that if we create campaigns that lead to positive reinforcement, that lead to nonviolent communication, will drive change, will drive people to act as opposed to the traditional icky tactics of don't miss out on this or whatever you, you don't know do this, so, we're all going we'll be under exactly in because years. people have become there are two like sides of this there are people that are have been driven to a, an extreme echo anxiety that is also not making their lives good because you know they everything that they do they feel like they're not doing enough and that's not how we want people to feel they want uh, we want them to feel rewarded for acting right yeah. And the other side is that people are numb to all of these tactics and they are not acting at all because they feel hopeless. And so the two sides at the end of the day feel hopeless. And that's not how we want. We want people to feel empowered. We want people to feel hopeful Mm -hmm. and that they are acting. And so, yes, marketing can change the world. And I believe that how we say things really matters and how we do our campaigns will drive change, no matter the industry. Amazing. Well, Claudia, we'll leave it there for today. Uh, for everyone who's listening to this, I think the community is going to open up a week later. I think we'll probably get it out early in November. That's right. Early November. Early November. So if you're an impact-led founder or you're a marketer or an aspiring conscious marketer, absolutely right. check it out. And there'll be more details in all of the links that we provide. But Cloudy, thank you so much for coming on the show and bringing your passion and energy to it as well, which is wonderful. Thank you, Vincent. It's been a pleasure. Bye, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Shape the System. As usual, if you'd like to suggest a guest, someone that you know who's helped change a system for the better, please go to www.shapethesystem.org, click on the top right-hand corner, then click Suggest Guest. Make sure that you click Subscribe so that you get the new episode. Shape the System is an independent podcast with support from KPMG High Growth Ventures. Connects founders to the services they need along their journey. Whether you are looking to refine your strategy, mature your finance function, prepare for a capital raise, expand abroad, or simply comply with regulatory requirements, they provide you with the support you need to drive your business forward.